All right, welcome back to Sex with Complications. Uh, this is your host, Kat, and... Yeah, this is Chris. Um, this is the official episode one, and... Dun-dun-dun-dun! Um, and as Chris mentioned in the intro, he wanted to make the first episode about marriage sex versus singles sex. Because they are two different things. Like, it's... I know it's also that kind of a myth thing that people talk about. You know, you hear... At least I, I know I used to when I was young. And it's like, you know, once you get married, your sex life goes downhill. Oh, yeah. It dries up. You know, once you get married, you're never going to have sex again. Blah, blah, blah. Um, and I'm not saying that that's not the case in some marriages. But there, you know, that is the case because of certain reasons. No, I am a firm believer that no sex life dies on its own it's usually murdered right and it gets murdered with becoming routine especially after you have children i mean that's one of the biggest complications you know being parents and stuff trying to find that time for each other especially if y'all are having to work opposite shifts maybe because somebody's always got to be home with the kids and y'all might get a day together and by then you're so tired all you want to do is sleep right the the day-to-day running around um and things that you just have to take care of just gets monotonous i won't say i won't say monotonous it just kind of gets in the way like you you get caught up doing all you know you make sure the dishes get done the mail gets checked the bills get paid the garbage gets taken out clothes get washed clothes get folded dinner dinner gets made dogs get taken out basket given homework gets done you know and by the time you get the kids in bed and you get dishes washed or dish dishwasher loaded you know, it's midnight, and then you're like, you got to get up the next morning if you got to be to work at 8. So it's just like, crap. If you're lucky, you and your significant other may get an hour, hour and a half, maybe two together, if you're lucky. Yeah, and that's if you start everything early and maybe, like, skip doing the dishes for the evening or something. Like, Right, if you decided, I'll just It's like, what I'll do you want to sacrifice? Right. But, you know, that's a challenge all on its own. You know, trying to find that time... You know, and then people become complacent and that eventually becomes you're married to a stranger because y'all don't spend any time together. Y'all don't communicate. There's but no even sexual then, though, chemistry I f- anymore. I feel like that doesn't make you married to a stranger. Like, if you end up finding it, like, in this quarantine, like we talked about a little bit, I think, in the first episode. In the, no, the we're pilot, going to cover whole quarantine well, sex. <laughs> yeah, well, not just quarantine sex, but getting to know your partner. If you and your partner didn't really get to know each other beforehand and now you've fallen in this routine yeah you were married to a stranger before the routine it's not the routine's fault that you don't know your partner it's your fault because you right. didn't get to know each other you didn't spend any time talking to each other you just had some really good sex and then eventually got into a relationship and then got married so a little bit of history for us we actually didn't get married until we hit five years together five and some change give or take somewhere along in there and also we our relationship started uh completely different well i won't say completely different than most people but when we first met each other we actually did not like each other when we met in college Ooh, buddy <laughs> i thought she was a brown noser uh trying to always be up the teacher's butt to get you know extra credit or whatever and she thought i was a slacker because that's just how i get stuff done it's not that i actually am a slacker i can always do the work and i can make some i can turn out some really amazing art when i'm in the mood to turn out amazing art but I don't feel the need to be pressured. But that's a whole different story when it comes to art and class right, or whatever. Right, But because of those reasons, we actually didn't like each other in the beginning. Oh, my um, God. So much. He dropped a class for me, which I think is my favorite story to tell people because um, that's... But then we, <laughs> you know, we eventually got to, to know each other. And once we got to know each other, we found out we actually had some things in common and we liked each other. And, you know, we, we worked through the differences that we each had in our life at the time to be able to date each other. Right. Um, when we met, I was actually still married. Um, our daughter, Kylie, was actually from my previous marriage. Um, and getting with somebody, you know, my marriage was falling apart years before me and Chris even knew each other. Um, I actually started falling apart while I was pregnant, which is the real yeah, telltale so that not, it was never really solid to begin with. Don't get the idea that I swooped in and destroyed a marriage in order to get... No, he was know, not, you not, know, Captain Save-A-Hoe in that situation. Um, that <laughs> like, is not, that's not what happened. I, you know, he I, I will admit that in my, in my past, I actually, you know, used to be like this, but I was on the road of trying to be different and so I kept my distance because she was still married. Um, and I was trying to make sure I didn't 
cross any boundaries or anything like that. Which, you know, to his credit, he did it. And I am it's probably what made me actually like him more. Um, but, you know, me and my husband had zero things in common. We, there was a 22-year age gap between us. Um, so it was kind of a doomed relationship and a desperate one in my, at a point in my life where I was really low, which is never a good time to start a relationship. But, you know, there's segments about that we'll have in the future about, you know, being in a relationship lows and you know because that ties into your sex life too because right. sometimes it's just better to have a friends with benefit and not commit yourself to something you know have your own all right so um, but yeah so and what happened is we ended up you know getting to know each other we went out hung out had a few drinks together with and friends and stuff with friends and stuff and got to know each other and hung out afterwards well, we sobered up before we drove home, you know, because never drink and drive. Nope. And um, <laughs> we we ended up getting to know each other over time. You know, we had went out to eat at the Waffle House and so on and so forth. IHOP. Or IHOP, yeah, IHOP. Um, and got to know each other. And that allowed us to spend that time together. That, right. You know, you, that most people don't always We built spend. a friendship first. Right. And so that gave us a commonality before we actually started dating. And we started realizing like, we had a lot of stuff in common. And, you know, eventually, um, you know, I talked with my husband and because our relationship was already on the rocks before um, me and Chris even got to talking and becoming friends. Like there was two or three times that we talked about separating. So this yeah. was nothing new. So when I told him that I was done and stuff, it wasn't like it was a brand new thing that just slapped him in the face. We had been having problems for a couple of years. And so our relationship kicked off at the end of my marriage. And so that in itself added so many complications. Um, I never really got to have the single life. So um, I was, I guess you could say I was a serial relationshiper or something because I went straight from one long-term relationship to the next since I was 14. So I never got to live the single life. So that is going to be a conversation that Chris is going to mostly dominate on because all I lived through it for was vicariously through other people. <laughs> so starting it off, because uh, he talked about the ease and the availability of single sex and when he mentioned this to me I looked at him and I was like what because I've always heard the opposite that people that are single have a harder time they're trying to always get it and don't know if and it's uh but how I mean I, I will say it is it's not that easy but it also is not that hard like when you're single it really is a matter of knowing the right people it's just like you have you have friends and single people have single friends and so they hang out together and you know it's one of those situations where if you're if you're lucky enough where you have somebody who's also single and so the two of you hook up every once in a while because you're you're friends with you know you know they're single they know you're single and the two of you want to you know just want to knock it out one time so you do um, so it's not that hard all the time. Um, legitimately, being single is as hard as you make it. Like, it, it's much like anything else in life. You The more you complicate it, the worse it is for you. You know, so you have to realize that you are, like people always say, it's like you're the master of your own fate. Yeah. It's kind of the same thing. Like, you know, if you don't, take control to the point of knowing that you want to do xyz so that way you can do xyz then it's nobody else's fault that you weren't able to do it it's just yours you're uh, it's your fault you weren't able to do whatever it is you were trying to do if you were you know if you if you find somebody you want to be with you want to hook up with uh, you know and if they're single then get to know them talk to them hook up you know nobody says you got to be in a relationship but you could at least talk to them find out what they are like as a person not just uh an object or a, a trophy or an achievement to unlock right find out what they are like as an actual person like get to know their likes and dislikes and things like that and you'd be surprised at how easy it is to just be like look you know i like having sex you like having sex we both like having the same kind of sex why don't we have sex together 
And it's it's either they say yes or they say no. Like that's the that's the reality. Um, there's no point in. I mean, yes, it'll be upsetting, but at the worst the worst that happens is you lose a friend, and they tell you no. Best that thing can happen is you still keep a friend, and you get to have sex. Yeah, maybe that if y'all are both lighthearted enough about it, y'all can brush it off if they say right. no and just be you know like, and. And it's also about knowing yourself. If you aren't the type of person when you're single who can have sex with somebody without emotions, don't try to run around trying to have friends with benefits. Then you you need to be in a relationship with somebody to have... If you know you need to have emotions, some kind of emotional connection to somebody to have sex with them, then it is best that you learn this about yourself and then you can... It, it helps you understand what type of person or persons you need to be going after. You don't need to be right. going after single sex because... You can't just have sex. You're going to catch feelings and you're going to want to talk to them and treat them like a girlfriend or a boyfriend when they are just trying to get one in and go about their business. Right. And that is a very good thing to know about yourself and to also be able to communicate like when it does come time for that conversation. Like if you know you're going to catch feelings for somebody, you know, make them aware of it so that they know whether or not that's something that they're in for because... If they're just looking to, you know, like Chris said, get one in and be go about their business, then obviously that you need to move on and <laughs> find something else. Exactly. Um, another, um, another thing that uh, you were talking about um, was the um, best friends with benefits versus marriage. But did you want to get into that now, or did you want to wait till? Yeah, I mean we can. Okay. Um, so I know a lot of people say it's like, oh, I married my best friend. No, you didn't. Like they may be your best friend now, but they weren't your, they probably weren't your best friend when you married them. They were someone who you got to know really, really well and fell in love with. And then over time you got to know each other better and they became your best friend. But the reality is, and this may sound harsh, especially coming from someone who was married. But the truth is, is that to a degree, depending on how your relationship is, your significant other will never be your best friend. Because the reality is, you will tell your best friend all kinds of things. You will tell your best friend's secrets. You will go to your best friend when something is bothering you. When your significant other is done, has done something that pisses you off or annoys you, you will go talk to your best friend and soundboard out your emotions. You won't go talk to your best, your actual significant other until after you've thought about what you need to talk about or why it bothers you until you've worked it out. Or figure out if maybe you're just, you know... Overthinking, overthinking it, overreacting it. or whatever. Right. Exactly. So, yeah, eventually they become your best friend, and that's if you're lucky, but that, that doesn't, that's not always a thing. That's not always guaranteed. But, like I was saying, the difference is, you know, is that when... Like when I was single. When I was single, I had a support group of friends. We all hung out. We all partied. We smoked weed together. We drank together. You know, and over a course of time, I'm pretty sure we all dated each other at one point or another. Um, but we were all friends. We all talked to each other. We knew each other's problems. We knew each other's issues. Um, so there was never any moment where, and we never, it was never, I look down on you because of whatever it is you're going through or whatever it is you're told me or whatever. We never judged each other. So it was okay. It was it was right. It's like you know, if we we're hanging out and it was just like me and whoever hanging out, chilling, having fun, and we have a few drinks and we decide to hook up, then we hook up. If we don't, we don't. But there was never any. It was a judgment-free support of group of friends. But again, though, this is when I was in uh, my early twenty, early to mid twenties, which is another thing I want to I, I want to talk about in another episode about how. When you're in your early 20s, you you and your friends are a tad bit more open about your sexuality and sex versus when you get older and you have friends who are in their 30s and paying bills oh and working. Oh, my God, and they become so conservative-minded. Right, they become conservative and uptight, and they don't want to talk about sex. They want to. People will tell you about their religion or who they were voting for before they'll tell you about the sex they had last night. Right. Or the sex they had in general. Mm-hmm. Um, so that, but that's, like I said, that's a whole nother. This, yeah, that's a future. Topic. But it's also, but it's good to have those friends who you can talk to about your sex life, um, and about your relationship because living in being married, in my personal opinion, being married 
and living inside of a closed loop is possibly a horrible thing for your marriage because you're always on the inside looking out and you have no one who knows anything about what's going on inside that circle who's on the outside looking in. So your perspective about your relationship is always going to be skewed because you only see it from your point of view right. or your point of view and your significant other's point of view, which isn't always necessarily the best point of view mm-hmm. because you may think your relationship is perfect. Your significant other may think your relationship is great. Your friends may think the two of you together are toxic as shit, <laughs> yeah. but you don't know that <laughs> because you ain't talking to none of them because you and your significant other agreed that we're not going to let anybody else in on our problems. That's great. You don't have to let them in on any deep problems. You don't have to let your friends in on, you know, if you have erectile dysfunction or if she can't orgasm from penetration or whatever. Like, that's great. You don't have to let them in on that if you don't want to. But the day-to-day things that happen in a relationship, the small little things that actually make up the big picture of a relationship, those kind of things you need to soundboard out because we all overreact at at times to the smallest thing. And we blow it up to be this huge Godzilla-sized King of Monsters problem when it's not. Yes, I do agree. Cause, and nothing is worse than getting in your own head and digging that hole deeper, which I am notoriously bad at doing. But I realized that about myself in my past relationships. And thankfully, I managed to put the brakes on it now and talk myself back out of it right you know and it it, and sometimes you know it's it's related to hormonal problems that i have which i know you know some people are going to probably be upset i said that but no it's legitimate for me like i i have uh, pcos and it causes hormone fluctuations and sometimes it causes you to kind of just lash out of things right and um some people classify it as pmdd which is like pms on steroids um so all the like you know little you know i feel a little weepy whenever i'm you know on my period or whatever no take that and like magnify it like (laughs) i don't feel a little weepy i I turn into a hot mess for a few days and then i'm good um but it's good to be able to identify that about yourself though like you have to know it's like I, I think I said it in the first episode. It's like you are no good to anyone else if you don't love yourself, love and understand yourself first. Right. What good is it? Because it's, you know, I'm pretty sure people have heard Will Smith say it and people may hate it, but it is the truth. It is not. I repeat, it is not your significant other's job to make you happy. If you can't make yourself happy, how am I supposed to make you happy? Right. You don't even know what makes you happy, but you expect me to know what makes you happy and to make you happy? How does that work out? That's putting a lot of pressure it's on a, me. It's putting an unfair amount of pressure on your significant other. Right. That puts an unfair amount of pressure on your significant other that, you know, and I get it. When you get into a relationship, you sign up for whatever, you know, whatever problems come along because we're in this together or whatever. But at the same time, you're putting some undue pressure on me about some stuff. Like, you don't even know how to make yourself happy. And, you know, speaking a little bit about that, like if there's some actual deep rooted like issues, like actual like, you know, mental health issues and stuff like that, that's something that you need to be upfront about before, you know, you go forward with the relationship. Be like, hey, like, you know, I've I, been through X, Y, Z. And because of this, I have relationship PTSD. Right. You know, and because you might need assistance and help and stuff like that, but you also got to put in your work to you get there to too. You have to do your part. Right. You can't just rely on your partner to constantly be carrying you and picking you up and stuff. You have to at least be trying to walk. So, right. Um, going back to the single thing, um, the on the hunt, you mentioned the on the hunt being like one of the things that is a, kind of a high for single sex it is because you're you when you're when you're single and and when i classify on the hunt i mean i'm not i don't mean to make it sound like uh yeah so i 
you know, I don't want to make it sound like that, but you know, to a degree it is. And, and whether anybody wants to agree with it or whatever, people do both sides do it. Women go out on the hunt, they dress provocatively, and men go out on the hunt, they peacock to make themselves stand out more. Everybody does something to make themselves more attractive to the opposite sex when they are trying to find somebody, whether it be to get into a long-term relationship or just to have a one-night stand. Everybody does something. But there is that high from it. There's that, you know, you see somebody that you're into and so you try to get to know them. You go and you talk to them, find out what they're into, you know, and you get a feel for it, you know. And even though both sides do it, the reality is, and again, whether anybody wants to admit it or not, and some people may hate me for saying it, you know, men have absolutely positively no control over whether or not sex is going to happen between them and a woman when they meet them in a bar or wherever they meet them. I think that's actually not a wrong statement because I've seen it in very, I've seen it a ton of times in um, all kinds of books I've read about sex and relationships and stuff. And one of the most, um, it said that when a woman goes out on a date, she already knows at the beginning of the date whether or not she's having sex that night. Right. She's, you know, they, a woman has decided some, uh, I, if I find a guy I like, I'm going to have sex with him tonight. That's just the reality. Right. And so women are, the, the you know, they, they have that control. And I know m most women will say that, no, they don't. And some men will say that they don't either. And some will agree. But it's a whole, and that's, you know, where you fall on that side is where you fall on that side. Right. But in my experience, it's been one of those things. No truer words ever been said uh, than it was a, a post on Facebook or somebody said it to me, whatever. I heard it forever ago. It was like, if her bra and her panties match, you didn't decide to have sex tonight. <laughs> that is just the reality of it. Um, and it's truth. And in my experience, it is true. Those words have never failed me. If her bra and panties match. I can't say he's wrong. Like, honestly, like, it, yeah. You, no, no man has ever. Thought went into that, girls. Like, thought went yeah. into that. Thought when if her bra and panties match and she shaved her legs and cleaned up, you didn't decide if y'all were gonna have sex tonight. She decided hours ago that she was gonna have sex with somebody, and you just got lucky enough to be that somebody. <laughs> that, that's really all it comes down to. Which you know? kind of jumps into the whole spontaneity and thrilling side of the hunt. Which it is. That is. It is definitely a a, a thrilling side because. You don't know, you don't know what the sex is going to be like. Because the reality is the internet has made everybody talk a good game. With Tinder and text messages and all the other stuff, like with really good cell phone cameras, everybody takes pretty pictures yeah. and really great angles. You know, everybody, you know, most women take a thousand pictures, it seems like, before they post the one that they really like onto their profile. Um, and some guys do it too. So, but there is that thrilling moment where it's like, all right, cool. So we've talked, we've got to know each other. And now sex is about to happen. You don't know what they're like in bed. Right. All you have to go on is what they've said to you, which brings me to a, a Barry White song called Practice What You Preach. Um, and in the song, he's basically saying it's like you, you've, you've done all this talking and you've said all this stuff. Well, <laughs> it's time for you to practice what you preach. Like, show me what you can actually do since you've talked this really good game. Right. And that works on both sides, you know. Um, the guy's peacocking and the girl's all... Right. I mean, and granted, to a degree, it's it's a little bit worse on the female side because of butt-lifting jeans or, or ass-enhancing underwear and push-up bras and all that stuff. So you may think that she's got a fat booty and triple Ds, and then when y'all go to have sex, she's as flat as a two-by-four on the back end, and she's actually sporting a pair of Bs or something like that, you know. Um, and that's a matter of false advertisement, and then you're just like, you have to decide that Am I really going to back out of this now because her body isn't what I thought it was? And that's a whole nother, again, a whole nother. But, I mean, that also ropes into, like, you know, women put a lot of emphasis on a guy's technique, a guy's size and stuff. Right, but well. that's a matter so of whether or like... not. And, again, that's the thing that comes down to that's that's a whole nother stage of sex in itself is when you get to the actual you're both naked and you're about to get to it and is she a size queen? Does she only like dudes with big dicks? But then again, that's something that I'm hoping she asked before you got there. Like, you know, if, if you're having conversations and y'all and this conversation turns sexual and at no point does she ask you how big your dick is, 
and she goes into it assuming you're one thing, one size, and it turns out you're another, that's not my fault. You know, that's not the guy's fault that he's not as big as she was hoping for. That you you never asked. I mean, that's you know And I, that's you know, I, I kinda wanna have a whole separate episode later on about the stigma of sex brought on by images of, you know, classically the porn industry and the expectations yeah. of what the idea um you know stereotypes and stuff are like stereotypes are dangerous and but like i said another episode i could go down the rabbit hole down that so the last thing you know i wanted to touch on unless you have more to add was um you know the the no commitment thing i mean we kind of talked about it like in bits and pieces throughout this segment but you know the spontaneity the thrill you know and the underlying yeah. thing is part of the thrill is there is no commitment you don't right you don't there's no you once you two meet you decide to have sex you guys have sex you don't have to actually see each other again you don't even you know don't you, you technically don't even have to give a real name nope. you know and it's like what are you gonna do check a driver's license right um you know that's in itself you know you could be anybody you want to be you could go out there and be the most charismatic person in in the real world you are the like meekest and shyest guy like you know that's or, girl, or girl you know because that swings both ways as well that's, that's you know you're pretending who you are and you're putting on the mask and and all the other stuff so that is that's a matter of you know that's a part of the peacock and you're you have you have this persona you put on to go out there and try to find somebody to have sex with and all that so that's a matter of you know it's like one of the things that, um, you know, when me and Chris were learning about each other was finding out how great he was at putting on this, this presence of this extremely um, confident individual and finding out, you know, that there's actually a person under there who's not always so hard, <laughs> you know, and, so, you know, digging beyond the surfaces of one another. Yeah, and again, that's a matter of taking that time to learn those things about each other, to dig past that. Right. Which kind of rolls into, you know, marriage sex and stuff. You know, and yeah. having connections and learning about each other. You know, marriage sex is so much different to me because there's a lot more involvement with... Marriage sex, I will say marriage sex is better than single sex because you learn what makes each other tick yeah with single sex every time you meet somebody unless you're having sex with the same hookup every once in a while every time you meet somebody you have to learn you have to spend time you kind of have to broad spectrum that okay right i know what the five erogenous zones are and go about your business right you know and you know if you're the type of guy that just like sticks it in bangs it out get yours and going about your business it's whatever but again sex for the women right which sucks for the woman um, so again, you have to spend the time to get to know each other and find out exactly, you know, what, what this person likes while we're having sex. So they actually know what you like and you know what they like. And then y'all can actually have really good sex together versus hey, communication, right? Versus married sex. You've talked to each other. You've had sex. Hopefully if you've been married for quite some time, you've had sex enough. You know exactly what it takes to get your significant other off if you've only got X number of minutes or whatever to do it, you know how to make it happen fast. Yeah, you know, ideally. Ideally, you know, <laughs> you know, you know how to get in and get out, like a like a SEAL team. Like you go in, <laughs> you get the mission done. You know, in between commercials, because your kids watching, you know, Paw Patrol and the chicken nuggets are about to get done, and y'all are banging one out in the laundry room right quick because you're putting it, you're moving it from the the washer to the dryer or whatever, you know. <laughs> Um, but you take that time, you being married, you've got that time to learn that about each other. Like you, you get to know those kind of things. You know exactly what it takes to, to make your partner happy and you get to, you get to enjoy that. At least the idea is to like, one of the things that, um, can happen starting in the single phase that can roll into the married phase is lying to your partner about sex. Yeah. And you know, this this goes into my whole thing from relationships. Doesn't matter if you're single, dating, married, friends with benefits, whatever. Be 
open honest. and honest about what you like and what you don't like and what is good and what is not good because if somebody thinks their technique is bomb because they've had you know three or four girlfriends in the past just talk about oh you're so amazing and and if it's a girl and she thinks like you know she gives like the best blowjob in the world because every guy has told her this. All my exes think I give good blowjobs. Well, and, they're your exes. Right. So for one thing, there's you a might reason. suck. One thing, there's a reason why they're exes. Dun, and dun, for dun. another, <laughs> of course they're not going to tell you you give bad blowjobs because... In the end of the day, or, they're still getting a blowjob. Right. End of the day, they're still getting a blowjob. Unfortunately, for the male sex organ, whether you're good at it or not, enough repetitive motion gets the job done. <laughs> it's not rocket science. So it doesn't matter if you're an expert at it or a novice, you eventually get the exact same outcome. <laughs> and whether or not you're an expert or whether or not you're not. Outcome. Right. <laughs> um, so it doesn't, it doesn't matter. So, you know, you got to be able to tell them, like, look. Right, like, and, and I can understand this first couple times you're together or something like that, you don't really want to bring it up because you're just like, man, at least I'm having sex. Because sometimes you get into that notion if you've been dry for a while or something or have just been having some bad sex for a while and you're just like, oh, God, at least I'm having sex. But at some... Which I'm sure a lot of people are at that point because of quarantine sex. Oh, well. God, but, right? You know, you but, haven't been able to go out and get none, but still. But at, but at some point in the towards the beginning of the relationship, you need to start having actual conversations about sex and be honest. And also... Don't be sensitive. If somebody says, hey, I appreciate the effort that you're doing in XYZ, but can we try this technique or do this a little differently and just ease them into it or something? If It's all about the approach. Right. You know, it's, you can't just be like, you suck at doing this and get better. That's not, it's, <laughs> no, that's not how you, you do can't that. Take, you can't take the football coach approach and try to get to make it all better. That's not how that oh. works. <laughs> Because, I mean, at the end of the day, we're all a little sensitive about how good we are. Right. So, you know, it's an easy way to bruise an ego or whatever. But as being on the bruisee side of it, you also need to take it, you know, in stride and be like, okay, well, if I'm not doing this good, then I want to be better. And get better. Because yeah. it's fun. <laughs> and Sex is supposed to be fun and enjoyable for everybody involved. Right. And there is a learning experience. We're not born knowing how to do this. Like, there is a learning curve in the beginning, guys. Yep. And girls. Like, guys, I say guys in general to, you know, people. Um, <laughs> but, you know, so talk in the beginning and stuff because what could potentially start in single sex and dating phase could roll into bad married sex. And you don't want bad married sex. Because, I mean, granted, yes. Divorce is a thing, but you also would like to think that you could make your marriage work. And even though a lot of I understand that marriage is not or in marriage, that sex is not necessarily always important thing, but it is one of the four cornerstones of marriage. And it, along with finances and kids, are the three top reasons for divorce, sex, finances, children. Like I say, no sex drop, no sex life, whether married or even single dies on its own it's usually murdered exactly by one thing or another and don't murder your married sex life get out of the routine do something spontaneous we will talk about that in a second we'll get some tips and advice because we're about to roll into right now the differences of fucking having sex and making love and this kind of you know goes across the board but i think it hits a different level when you're married you know yeah trying to get one in because you got five minutes in between like you said the commercial break or whatever right like when you're when you're single 90 percent of the time you're probably just fucking especially the first the first time the first time definitely. you're just you're, you two are just fucking each other like and and the, to me the definition of fucking is when there is no there's no build-up there's no foreplay there's just like some really heavy kissing and feeling each other up and then you're ripping each other's clothes off and you're getting to it. Wrong. You might go, you might change positions once, maybe twice, and then you're both done. And then that's it and you're getting dressed and one of you is calling another one an Uber. But it's raw and animalistic. It's the hunger and stuff. Like it's... 
Being married, fucking only happens when it's been a while. Therein lies that difference. Fucking happens when it's been two, three weeks, a month or whatever since the last time you guys have had sex. Um, but yeah, so that fucking happens, like I said, when it's been a couple of weeks, you guys have gotten busy and, and you just haven't had the opportunity to. And so you're just like, oh, God, oh, I want to. And then, you know, it's been it feels like it's been forever. And so then one night you two look at each other or you, you kiss before goodnight. And then that slight peck on the cheeks before yes. going to bed turns into some turns into fucking turns into raw animalistic ripping clothes off right. and you know you didn't neither one of you intended it to be fucking but that's what that's what happened and you know that <laughs> they're great when they happen because you know being married it's it's an exciting form of sex it, it it's it feels like going back to the first time again right so it gives you that little bit of a high that you miss from single sex, I guess. Because, like I said, I've never really had that. But anyway. Um, right. But it gives me a little bit of a high when it gets like that. So it's just like, ah, oh, nice. This is... Oh. But having sex... I think that if you're, you know, in a... Definitely a friends with benefits situation. Um, or if it's, you know, been at least a couple of dates and y'all have had sex or something. You can fall into the having sex part. Because to me the difference of that versus fucking is you've learned a little bit about each other. Y'all foreplay a little bit more and you know, maybe there's flirting that happens beforehand that leads up to the foreplay. Like it's not as like, I am so hungry. It's like, you know, I know what I'm getting and I'm going to enjoy this. I'm going to savor this and it's going to be very nice. Right. And that's, and that's, that's the biggest difference between it. You know, that you, like you said, you get that, that feeling back of the first time you know that you haven't had in a while and it's just how it is you know you're just like oh man that was really good it's like i needed that you know you both realize after you're like i i really needed that you know and you get it um and so sex what and so we'll go into that yeah so sex sex when you're single is when you're you're basically having you i i view it as sex is when you're doing it with the same partner again. Like you you and them, you and whoever have, you fucked a couple of times and so now you, you're meeting up on a regular basis or so. You're not really dating, you know, so you're, you're still dating, you know, you can still open to do whatever with other people, but you have to understand, you know, if you both have the time and you both are in the mood, you can knock one out, you know? And so that's sex because now you've gotten to know each other a little bit better. So you have that little, that small amount of intimacy and trust between the two of you to actually like make it feel really good. Right. And you know, a lot of people in married relationships, I think fall into having sex as part of the routine. Yeah. And that can create so much just staleness in the bedroom. Like it becomes a chore and when it becomes a chore, it stops being fun. And when it stops being fun, you start, you stop being able to orgasm. You stop being able to feel anything from it. It's just like, it's like scratching an itch at that point. And right. that's not where you want the relationship to linger. Like every relationship falls into that at one point or another. I mean, hell we've even had that happen once or twice. You don't want, you don't want your sex life to fall into just a checklist, a part of your checklist for your to-do list day. It's like, all right, I took out, did the dishes, took something out to make for dinner cleaned up the living room, did the laundry, had took the sex, trash out. <laughs> took the trash out. All right. I did everything today. I can have me a glass of wine. Like, you know, if you ever look up and you see that your sex life and has become part of the checklist, part of the checklist when you're married, then, you know, you, you need to get out of that rut. Right. Um, so, um, because that rut will very, will, will sure as sure as day follows night murder your sex life is being married oh my god but even at the same token being single it can do the same thing you fall into that rut with each other it's like all right we meet up like every tuesday night to have sex with each other at that point both one to me you're both lying to each other about whether or not you're dating because now you have a routine you have a schedule right. every tuesday you both meet up and then especially even more so if one tuesday one of you can't make it and the other one gets mad because they went out on a date or whatever. So uh, then you caught feelings. feelings. Right. Yeah. And so that takes it to a whole nother. 
And then... Uh, right, that's a whole other issue. Why, that, and I think that's one of the reasons why I personally have never been a fan of the friends with benefit part of the relationship. It takes two very, like... Emotionally stable people. Emotionally stable, but unemotionally attached people to just bang it out and not develop some sort of a... Even an inkling of feelings for each other. And yeah. even if that feelings is just like, I start caring about you more. I start caring about whether you eat or, you know, if that cough needs, means you need to go to the hospital or doctor or whatever. It's like, when that starts happening, it's like, yeah, it's time to maybe put some distance. Like, or call if it what it is. Or Right, call it what it is and, and have that discussion with your significant other about whether or not you want to take your, your y'all sometimes on and off again sex relationship to another level. Right. And maybe y'all find y'all are not compatible in other ways. Like, you know, but y'all got to be real with yourselves. Like, sometimes opposites attract. Like, y'all may not have a lot of compatibility, but y'all enjoy, like, some things overlap. Because y'all apparently met each other, so something. <laughs> right. You have some interest with each other. Right. Um, and we're building up to the to the next of the differences, which, of course, you know, y'all already probably, you know, figured it out. But we're going to build up to that because that's kind of like the spark. Um so putting like you know the spark and the spontaneity back into a relationship that is gone in kind of like the gray neutral zone um classically you hear about couples either trying something different you know whether it be some couples want to open their relationship and you know invite somebody in um, some couples want to get adventurous and try going to an adult novelty store and buying games or something. Um, I feel that more couples need to start using this time to maybe delve into other things. Like, start talking to your partner about what type of porn they're into. Because nothing tells you more about your partner than what they watch to get off when they're alone. Yeah. And I know that, you know, there's a lot of girls out there to like, oh, my God, I, I would be so mad if my boyfriend showed me his porn collection. No, 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 no. For one thing, stop lying to yourself. You have one, too, and go show it to him. Because women, men, men and women look at things differently, and they like different things. That's the reason why more porn industries are actually starting to branch out and actually make lady-specific porn now. Because... <laughs> The hardcore stuff doesn't always work for us. That's true. Um, and actually talk about what fantasies you have. What possible fetishes that you're interested in or maybe want to try with your partner. Um, something to bring back, you know, that newness to your relationship. If she wants to get tied up and, you know, covered in candle wax and has never told you... There may be a reason why she's never told you. Right. Like, open that up and stuff. And be willing to try something a little different, you know? Um, and you will be amazed what this will bring back into the relationship. There's also, you know, the obvious things about taking your significant other out and whining and dining them. And just giving them the bougie treatment of the evening and stuff you know that i know that makes a lot of people melt back into a hot romantic feeling you know i like to think it works on guys too i've never been a dude but i know it works on me <laughs> especially when you know that your partner is putting effort that i think is what the biggest thing the biggest thing like you know your partner is actually putting in effort and not just effort to get laid they're putting an effort to spend time with you and to rekindle that thing that brought you together and it feels amazing and if you tie that in with trying some new things on top of it then it's like having the first date all, all over, over again. again so you know I think that's one of the keys to the longevity of having a healthy sexual relationship with your married partner. It is. Um, and of course, you know, putting that spark back in leads us back into, you know, difference number three of making love. Yep. You know, the first time you make love, honestly, God should not be on your wedding night. 
because there might no. not be something there when it happens. It needs to happen before the wedding. Yeah. You need to go there before the wedding because there is a make or break point when you get emotionally open with another person like that and you know then and there whether or not this is something that you connect with and want. Yeah, and I, I, I totally get people who want to wait until they're, they're married and that's totally fine if that's your choice. You know, if that's what you want to do, it's totally okay. But just know that if you wait until your wedding night that it might not be as magical as you hope it is. You know, as you think it's going to be and all that, you know. I have known of a couple of people who waited until they were married. And some, and a couple of them, uh, even fewer in the couple, um, like two or three of them, their partner was also a virgin as well. And all of them had the same complaint. They had to learn how to have sex with this person and they never got to know whether or not they were doing things right and stuff and they couldn't they couldn't figure out how to talk to their significant other about it and they wanted advice but they didn't know who to talk to and stuff and it's just yep. like all this shit comes out like five years later whether the relationship is still together or not you know but it's like yeah like um i am an advocate for being open and doing you know I'm I'm a, I'm a big advocate for, like, de-demonizing sex. Like, I hate the fact that people demonize it so much. And to be in this, like, oh, holier-than-art-thou thing, it is human nature to want to have sex. Is, that's all it is. It is extremely human nature. And it's a matter of... It's... It's not even to the point where, you know, it, it drives you because... It's it's a it's a human function, and we're all driven to want to procreate and blah 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 and all that other good happy dabs. Nah, nah, no, nah. like I'm mm. not a I, I, no. It's having sex is fun. It feels good. You should want to do it. And if you don't, there's nothing wrong with that either. I want to make that right. perfectly clear. Right, right. We have feel, ace friends and stuff, and I, we understand there's. I don't want to make know. anybody feel bad because they're not having sex. If you're not having sex, that's cool. But as long as you're not having sex on your terms so long as you're not having sex because you don't want to have sex right like not because you've been it's been drilled into you that having sex is wrong right and that's god i i hate that mentality and but mostly because i personally have a high sex drive a very high sex drive and i was pushed and pushed and pushed into this abstinence only mentality growing up Thankfully, I at least got to see the, like, puberty videos and stuff in the, in the sex ed classes and everything like that and learn about sperm and egg and babies and stuff. But it's not the same as actually talk, like, you know, when you go home and you hear, like, okay, now that you learn all this stuff, never do it. It's like, what? <laughs> like, you kind of get mixed signals yeah. here. And it's just, you know, and... There's so much, you know, stuff where there's social stigma or, you know, religious, you know, affiliations or, you know, family and stuff, uh, tradition, da-da-da-da-da, and all this other stuff. But the thing is, like, people for forget that the thing that made virginity at marriage a thing was the royalty marrying each other's daughters off as virgins to their husbands. Right. Everybody else below that didn't Going wait down. till marriage. <laughs> Figure it out. Like, that mentality comes from everybody trying to placate and be the upper class. And, dude, we're not. Like, we're all just regular-ass people. We're all just people floating and around. <laughs> so, I, I got off on a bandwagon. This was not at all what we were talking about. And I am so sorry. It's okay. I mean, that, that's... That, that's what you feel. It's going to be Believe fine. me, there will be future segments on that as well. Whether it's a half because I just went into a whole rant on it just now. But anyway. Make a note so we can come back to it some other time. Right. Right. Um, I'll make a note later when I'm listening. Anyway. Um, so one of the things that um, brings all of this together with marriage and stuff like that is setting aside time to check in with your partner. It's, it's really important. I know, and I know it may sound like something that seems like a no-brainer. Of course, I'm going to check in with my partner, but I'm not talking, we're not talking about, like, checking in 
to make sure it's like, hey, what did you do today? Like, and how was work, honey? Like, like, like actually, like check in with them, talk with them, see how they're doing, ask them if there's anything they want to talk about that's been bothering them. Like, legitimately check in, like, like you would check in on a friend. Like, if you had a suicidal friend, you check in on them. It's the same thing with your significant other. Check in on them. Right, because I mean, even though you're in this relationship and in this partnership together. Because of work and busyness and everyday stuff, you might not get an actual lot of time to sit down and talk with one another. And so, you know, other than trying to make scheduled things happen throughout the day, hey, baby, did you get the laundry? You got dinner, the kids this, and, you know, a tournament that, or, you know, practice here, a school function there, and homework. Oh, my God. Like, it gets hectic, people. So whether it's just 10 minutes when y'all are laying down in bed, at the end of your day, just talk for 10 minutes and check in with your significant other about, you know, if they have anything additionally to worry about or maybe they need a day off and, you know, y'all alternate that. You know, people often say that the best thing for a relationship is to have a date for yourself every night. You know, his is on Tuesday, hers is on Thursday or whatever. Like, right. Because even though you want to spend a lot of time with your partner, because I, I, I do that, I clean. Um, and... Even though you might want to spend a lot of time with your partner, you also need to take a breath from them and not be like the melded together right, entity you are. Sometimes in relationships you forget who you are. You lose yourself in, your in the relationship and in your partner and you no longer remember what it's like to do the things that you like to do. Uh, we're about to hit the maximum recording time because, you know, it only allows us 60 minutes of recording. Anyway. All right. So, yeah, so, we're about to wear the last five minutes of the But, yeah, so episode. we'll finish this up with, you know, checking in with your partner. And, um, and, 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 you know, maybe make, you know, if it's not like a date night, quote, unquote, like, you know, a whole evening to yourselves or whatever, set aside time to talk with them about any sort of sexual things as well because that's how you know whether or not things are starting to become stale and you need to do something special and make plans and stuff. So... You know, this all ropes in together because everything ties together in relationships like a religion. circle, like a relationships ring. Relationships are a circle, like a ring. Um, but anyway, so that is us for tonight. We will be back um, again either Tuesday or Friday. I'm probably going to shoot more for once a week on Fridays. So anyway, y'all take care. Be good to yourselves. And remember to tune in next time. And love each other. Yes, and love each other.